Thank you for joining us today. You are moments away from a sermon presented by Thompson Presbyterian Church in Thompson, Georgia. We are an associate Reformed Presbyterian Church that seeks to glorify God, grow in Christ, and go in His Spirit. You can hear this sermon and many others this time every Sunday right here on WTHO 101.7 FM. You can also listen to sermons on our website, thompsonpresbyterian.org. We will begin service again starting at 11 a.m. in our multi-purpose building on our campus. Please come and join us and worship God with us in spirit and in truth. If you are unable to attend or not yet comfortable in joining us, please feel free to watch the service live on our Thompson Presbyterian Church YouTube channel every Sunday at 11 a.m. I thank you for being with us today. Now let us turn our attention to the word of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ by looking at his holy scripture. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Good morning. So I was just asked, does the music mean something? And, it, and the music does mean something. It does mean that we are to be called into his presence, that we come in to prepare to worship Lord Jesus this morning. So I'm glad that you're here with us, glad you're here to do that. Let's go through just a couple announcements. You'll see the first one is a midweek Bible study. Yes, this is still on tap um, for um, the 9th of September. We're going to study the book of James led by um, none other your pastor. So be prepared for uh, coming into here. I don't know if it's going to be here or probably in the front classroom or somewhere. We'll see how many, how many of us show up. But we will record it. We'll have it live. Um, if, uh, if you're interested in coming but you can't make it, it's going to be available for you to watch. You can also watch it later. It's going to be recorded. So that'll be offered to you as well. Um, but I'd love to have you with us. I'd love for you to take the, the middle of the week and come and be with us for an hour and study the book of James. Okay, that's still the plan as of right now. Also, Brother Jim, teaching Sunday school, uh, 9.30 every Sunday. So I know a lot of you have been faithful, have been coming to that. That's real, real good. Um, and we are recording it, so if you want to jump in and, and uh, need to get caught up, you can listen to those uh, previous lessons and get caught up. Or if you miss one, you can do that as well. Just let me or BJ or Jim know, and, and we'll make sure you get the information to be able to... Um, to be able to listen to that and get caught up. But we'd love to have you again every Sunday right here at 9.30 to study The Long Obedience by Eugene Peterson and uh, different various psalms. But now let's go before the, the Lord in prayer um, and ask... Oh, thank you. Yes, we, because it's not on my slides, uh, we just literally made the decision a moment ago and I've asked, we are going to do communion next week. So we're going to have the Lord's Supper, and we encourage you to be here um, to participate in that. Uh, we are working through all the safe handling procedures that we can, and we're going to, we're going to keep all of that in mind. Um, but uh, how we will do that, we will let you know next week, okay, to uh, keep the social distancing and all of that stuff. But we're going to be smart about it, but we do not want to neglect the means of grace which the Lord has provided for us in the Lord's Supper. And I think we've done that long enough, and I don't know about you, but I'm yearning for communion and to receive those means of grace. So thank you, Brother Jim, for that reminder. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you, O Lord, for this morning, 
This day, your day, a day set apart as a Sabbath rest for man, but a, a day that is mostly and foremost your day. A day where you are to be worshipped, to be glorified, that we may think upon all the glorious works that you have accomplished for us, and that we may praise you with our voice, with our prayers, with our singing, with our thoughts, with our deeds, with our giving, and that we may come and hear your word, the words of Christ our Lord, our Master, so we may again, through faith, receive blessing, that we may receive mercy and grace as established in your gospel. We thank you, O Lord, for this gathering today. We thank you for all that are here. We ask your blessing upon them. We ask that your spirit would anoint each and every one. Convict us of our sin, O Lord. Drive us to repentance yet again, that we may rest completely and wholly in your grace and in your mercy, which is offered to us through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, in his name, it's most precious name, name above all, beyond all, that we pray. In Christ we pray. Amen. Now it's time to go before the Lord uh, as we seek His Word, His teaching, as our Master. And so we will go to the book of Galatians, which... Some of you have encouraged me this week that although it seems like it's uh, moving rather slowly from your pastor's perspective, many of you are very encouraged, and I hope this is true for all of us, by the speed in which we are going through the fruit of the Spirit. That we're looking at these one word at a time, and we're taking these to make sure we understand them before we move on. And so thank you for that encouragement, and I pray that today is as encouraging as encouraging today as it has been that you are blessed by the preaching and the reading of this word. So turn to Galatians chapter 5 verse 22. We're going to read verses 16 through 26 uh, as uh, we continue to do this. I hope that you are memorizing it as we go along. We've heard it enough, right? Some of you probably have it memorized already, probably not, but pray that maybe you will so that we may hear and understand the word of God as we go through this. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 through 26. I remind you, this is the word of the Lord. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the words of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. 
If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the Word of our Lord endures forever. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we humbly approach Your Word now, both as preacher and congregant, both as hearer and sinner, standing before You and Your Word, O Lord, as Your disciple. Teach us, mold us, make us. May we learn today that lesson which You would have us learn. That we would hear the voice of Christ, not only in our ear, but in our soul. That we may be moved and stirred to faithfulness. We ask all these things in Your name, O Lord. In the name of Christ Jesus. Amen and amen. Today we're going to look at the fruit of the Spirit. Faithfulness. And I want to ask you a question. What happens when hippies raise kids? What happens when hippies raise kids? And I will share with you in a moment how this has anything to do with Galatians 5.22. Doesn't it appear to us as we watch the news and as we talk to people and as we just live our life here in America, doesn't it appear to us that life around us is falling apart? That the world, our nation, is collapsing. As a matter of fact, there are a ton of people who even believe this might be the end of the great nation known as America. And they're already starting to write books and predict it and, and showing how if we continue down this path that that's what's going to happen. I mean, just think about it for a moment. People are violently attacked because of the color of their skin. They're violently attacked because of what they believe or the clothes that they wear. They're violently attacked because they stand opposed to another's belief. We live in a, a country in which governing officials, rather than taking ownership and rather than coming up with solutions, and I'm speaking of both parties, are pointing fingers and blaming others or using the opportunity, as I spoke to last week, to garner votes or to persuade you to be in their party, whatever it may be. We have poor leadership across the board in dealing with the issues that we see. We have somewhat peaceful protests turning violent. We have young 17-year-olds shooting other 17 and 18 and 19 year olds in the streets. We have people living in fear. And maybe we are some of those people. Maybe we are afraid. It doesn't take much for us to look around to see that 2020 is not a year that we want to revisit anytime soon, is it? You've seen all the memes, you've seen all the jokes. We're ready for this to be over. So what's going on in our nation? Let me just be frank with you this morning. I think, I think there's a reason that what we see happening should not surprise us. And yes, I jokingly picked on the hippies, but that's not the point. 
What I believe is happening, what we are witnessing, is what Miroslav Volf in his book, A Public Faith, expressed and has recognized. And that's this. That we, as a people, have gone from placing our faith in God and over time placed it in something else. We have gone from God being the central figure in our life to putting other things, people, agendas, beliefs, in God's place. Now, in his book, A Public Faith, Wolf is kind of trying to draw this out, and he's referring to a book by Andrew Del, Del Banco. It's called The Real American Dream. And I want to read you what he is saying that I think has led to where we are. And he says this. He says, this reveals the main point of the chapter headings read, God, Nation, Self. The infinite God and the eternal life of enjoying God and one's neighbors, at least some of them, was the hope of the Puritans who founded America. American nationalists of the 19th century, notably Abraham Lincoln, transformed this Christian imagery in which God was at the center into, quote, the symbol of a Redeemer nation. In the process, he says, they created a new symbol of hope. The scope of hope was significantly reduced, and yet there still remained something of immense importance to hope for the prospering of the nation which itself was a chosen people called upon to, quote, bear the ark of the liberties of the world, as Melville put it. But then in the aftermath of the 1960s and 1980s, as a result of the combined hippie and yuppie revolutions, instant gratification became the hallmark of the good life. It is only a minor exaggeration to say that hope was reduced to the scale of self-pampering, moving from the vastness of God down to the ideal of a Redeemer nation. Hope was narrowed, argues Del Banco, quote, to the vanishing point of the self alone. What I think we see is that when you take God as the center of one's life and replace it with something else or someone else as which I think we have as people of America, that you will find that it's empty and void. And you will be disappointed. So disappointed that you want to go into the streets and be violent. That you want to, rather than loving your neighbor, that you want to destroy your neighbor. That you want to burn things down. You find out that it's empty. In America, we have gone from having God as the central figure in all of our faith in God to putting faith in other things. And Wolf rightly points out that this, these other things can be seen as an overarching move from God to nationalism to a nation, 
Maybe you believe it yourself. Maybe you think that America being founded on Christian principles, that's God's kingdom. And that's where we should put our faith. You would be wrong. But even that's not a thing anymore. The thing is self-gratification. I am the one who makes the rules. I am the one who matters. I am the one. Right? You read it every day. You hear it every day. The people that are responding in vain are responding out of self. Out of God not being in the picture for the most part. And I think that's where we are as an American church. How many of us have replaced God with something or someone else? A political party. A belief. An agenda. A whatever. And there are many ways that this takes place in our life. We need to be very careful in buying in to what the world has to offer. So let's look at this text before us. Let's look at this one verse, this, this one word, faithfulness. What does faithfulness mean? What does it mean to be faithful? I imagine if I canvassed the audience, we would all have answers that would come close to it, but maybe not right on. We may or may not understand what faithfulness is. So this morning I want to look at faithfulness, what it means from the Bible. I'm going to give you three points that help us understand faithfulness so that we understand what it means to be faithful. Well, first I want you to understand from a literary standpoint, this word, this Greek word, is actually used 240 times in the New Testament. It's the word pistis, or faith. But in, in this verse, it's got a little different tweak to it. And it's not just faith, because that kind of leaves it ambiguous, right? Faith, faith in what? Faith in whom? My faith, his faith, her faith. What, is, what does that mean? Well, Paul here explains that it's not just faith. It's not just trust or belief in. This word can also mean uh, the confidence or assurance in something. But here, this word that Paul uses is used only 14 times in the New Testament. 14 other times, will you, or 13 other times, 14 total, will you see this form of faithful. Faithfulness. It is a quality. Remember, we talk about each one of these words being a quality. A quality not only of God the Father that we see in Jesus Christ on earth, but also that is in us. A fruit of the Spirit dwelling in us. So faithfulness is something that we have. But what is it? This Greek word is also used in the Septuagint. Everybody knows what the Septuagint is, right? It's the Greek New Testament or the Greek Old Testament. So Greek words of the Old Testament. So rather than reading the Hebrew of the Old Testament, we're reading the Greek version of... Well, the, at that time, the Septuagint translates this word... 32 times from the Old Testament to mean faithfulness. And it's usually in reference to God, but often to Israel and their trust and faith in God. Having faith as a quality, being faithful, 
Get it? It's pretty simple, right? But I don't want to... uh, I want to make sure that you understand the basic premise, that it is a quality of being faithful. The first thing I want you to see, which is on your your screen there, that faithfulness is a quality that an individual can lack. I'm going to start with a negative because it's always better to end with a positive. One negative, two positives, all right? The negative is an individual can lack this quality. An individual can lack faithfulness. Now let me explain. Turn in your Bibles. Go to Matthew Matthew 23, it should say, not 3, sorry. Matthew 23, 23. In Matthew 23, we see a lot of, if you have a red letter edition, you're going to see a lot of red letters, right? What does that mean? It means Jesus is speaking, okay? So what happens when Jesus speaks? We better listen. But let me add something to that. Not to what Jesus says, but to your awareness, which is this. Look at verse 23. Chapter 23, sorry. Verse, uh, let's do 13. But woe to you. These are what we know as the seven woes to the Pharisees. Now, woe doesn't really convey to us today, I don't know, unless you're driving a car and you're about to run over something and somebody says, woe, stop. It's an exclamation. It's a pay attention. It's a warning. It's a warning. And go to verse 23. In the seven warnings in which Jesus is warning the scribes and the Pharisees, right? The religious leaders of the day who are, as we learned a little while ago, right, Elizabeth, in Sunday school, the Pharisees are opposed to Jesus. They eventually will put him up to be tried, to be crucified. They are opposing what Jesus is teaching, and Jesus is teaching here in Matthew, the coming of his kingdom. And this is what it means. And this is what God is doing in this world. And the Pharisees and the scribes are opposed to that. And in verse 23, we see Jesus specifically. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy. And faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others, you blind guides, staining, uh, straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. This is what Jesus says to the religious leaders of his day. To basically point out the fact that they are making small things big, really don't matter, and vice versa. They're making the law and the obedience to the law and keeping the law the, be- the, the most important thing. Which is why I pause as I read the words of Jesus. Go back to it. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. You have neglected the weightier matters, he says, of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. There's that same word that Paul uses as a fruit of the Spirit. Faithfulness. In other words, walking the walk, having your faith come out in your actions, your works, your deeds. 
not having the two opposite. Because therefore, you're a hypocrite, Jesus says. That when the faith inside you isn't the motivator or you can't see it on the outward works, the deeds, then guess what? Woe to you. So therefore, an individual can lack this quality. And the scribes and the Pharisees in Jesus' time lacked this quality. Lacked the ability, the quality to have faith. Rather, they gave out of duty and obligation. They gave because that's what the law said. Now, why are you giving? Because that's what the law says. No, no, no. no. Why? What's your motivation? Because that's what the law says. That's what I'm supposed to do. Very legalistic. And again, Jesus comes and turns that upside down. No, the law is about justice and mercy and faithfulness. All of those things which point to Jesus Christ. All of those things which Christ fulfills on our behalf. Faithfulness of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to the Father to go to the cross. These are the motivations that Jesus is challenging. This is the motivation that Jesus is challenging in the Pharisees and the scribes to say, you are not motivated correctly. You don't have the fruit of the Spirit. Faithfulness. You lean heavy on law, justice, but not so much on mercy and faithfulness. Faithfulness is something that can be missing in the life of an individual. This is important to understand as we look at the world around us to say the reason they respond the way they respond with violence and hatred and the the hatred of their neighbor is because they lack faithfulness. They lack the Spirit of God. And in this sense, everything they do is in vain. It should actually give us compassion for those that we are angered with. The compassion should be that they lack Jesus Christ. They lack the Spirit. And our prayer should be that God would change not their actions, their heart. Because then their actions will surely follow. But not only is faithfulness a quality that can be lacking in an individual... Number two, it can be a quality that God shares with His children. Again, these are rather simplistic, but very important for us to understand that God gives us, His children, this quality. Because if He didn't, we would be just like the riders in the streets, left to our own hearts. Go over with me to Romans chapter 3. Now, I will say, one of the things that I do have an expectation for you as we go through word by word, uh, chapter 22, is that you will learn where the books of the Bible are. So I'm helping you as we quickly go and go to all these different passages. And, and unlike my, my brother who's preached here many a time, he's very helpful. He, he tells you where these are. I'm not. I expect you to learn them and know them, okay? Um, and if you need help with that, let me know later. Romans chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Here Paul, this great uh, chapter on the sin of both the Jew and the Gentile and that no one is righteous. We talked about that a little bit last week. But in verses 1 through 4, we read this. Paul says, Then what advantage has the Jew? Or what is the value of circumcision? Much in every way. 
To begin with, the Jews were entrusted with the oracles of God. What if some were unfaithful? Does their faithlessness nullify the faithfulness of God? By no means. Let God be true, though every one were a liar, as it is written, that you may be justified in your words and prevail when you are judged. The faithlessness of man does not change the faithfulness of God. That's what I want you to understand. God is faithful. Again, if God is the source of faithfulness, and He is, this is a quality that belongs to God, it is something that He owns. It is a quality of God, an attribute of God. And we would all sit here today and can think of many stories, if I asked you, of how God was faithful throughout the history of Israel and the history of His church and what God has done even in your own life to say God has been faithful here and I've been able to see it and I praise Him for it. And all of Scripture attests to God's faithfulness as it points to Christ, the ultimate sacrifice coming as God promised. But it's not just an attribute of God. It's a quality and attribute of God which is shared with mankind. That's where we come back to Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, and we see that God gives His Spirit. It's the wrong verse. God gives His Spirit so that we may also have that quality. So while individuals may not have this quality, God's children, His people, have this quality. A great resource on this is the Westminster Confession of Faith. If you go to the Westminster Confession of Faith and you look at chapter 14, you will hear this about faith. It says, The grace of faith whereby the elect are enabled to believe to the saving of their souls is the work of the Spirit of Christ in their hearts and is ordinarily wrought by the ministry of the Word, by which also, and by the administration of the sacraments and prayer, it is increased and strengthened. It is this faith which is the principal act of saving. This faith that is given to you saves you, right? All of us would say, yes, saved by grace through faith. But it's not just to save you. It's not to save you so that you may sit around idly waiting for Christ to return. It's not your fire insurance. Yes, you're welcome there, Geico. It is for your sanctification. Different degrees. There are times when you're weak in faith and you're strong in faith. It wanes. It ebbs. It flows. But the Westminster Confession also says that it ends in victory. It says that ultimately faith gets the victory growing up in many ways to the attainment of a full assurance through Christ Jesus. The second thing here then is not only is it an attribute of God, but it's something given to us for this life so that we may utilize it, so we may say, I have and am being faithful. It's so that, as Paul says in Galatians 5.22, we can walk in the Spirit. How can you walk in the Spirit if you're sitting there idly? Again, I said it last week. I say it again. These fruits These fruit of the Spirit are meant to be used in our daily life. The Westminster Confession talks about that when it talks about good work. It says in chapter uh, 16, 
These good works done in obedience to God's commandments are the fruits and evidence of a true and lively faith. And by them, believers manifest their thankfulness, strengthen their assurance, edify their brethren, so on and so forth. It is evidence of your faith. This faithfulness is something that can be seen. Not just something that you claim. You can't sit there in the pew and say, I am faithful. If your feet aren't moving, if your hands aren't working, if you are not showing your faithfulness to those around you. See, the last thing I want you to see is that this is a quality that Christians exhibit. You are to exhibit faithfulness. Not in the pharisaical way of walking around saying, look at me how faithful I am. No, Jesus has already spoken to that hypocritical attitude. No, it is you being motivated by the faith within you so that others may see it. And ultimately, as we've said before, so that God receives the glory. Let's go through these verses quickly. The first one, 2 Thessalonians 1.4. I know this is rather quick and you may not be comfortable with it. You can mark these down, follow it later. It's okay. But I'm going to share them with you and they're on the screen. 2 Thessalonians 1.4 Therefore we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness and your faith. Or the same Greek word, your faithfulness in all your persecutions and in afflictions that you are enduring. That even in your persecution, even in your suffering, you remain faithful. You have been given the ability to have faith and continue in faith even when the world is falling down around you. Do you believe that? Then we better act like it. Paul reminds us that, that it is a quality that we exhibit. 1 Timothy 6.11 he says, but as for you, O man of God, flee these things. All the things that he listed before. Pursue righteousness. Yep, got that one, Lord. Godliness. Yep, I'm striving for godliness. Faithfulness. Love, steadfastness, and gentleness. Faithfulness. What must I do to exhibit faithfulness? It's something that we seek after. Go to 2 Timothy 2.22. I'm almost done. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Faithfulness. Righteousness. Again, seeking after. It's something that we have in common. All of us are seeking to be faithful Christians. I hope. If not, then we need to talk. Somebody needs to be holding you accountable. We all need to be pursuing faithfulness. And lastly, Titus 2.10. This qualification of church officer, it says, not pilfering, but showing all good faith. All good faithfulness. So that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior so that something may happen. Again, this is completely opposite to the world who right now is exhibiting faithlessness, an emptiness, a void, a not trusting in God as sovereign and Lord. 
And we are called to be different. We are called to exhibit. To exhibit faithfulness. Let me tell you the story. Yeah, there's there's an error in there. If you can find it, I'll give you a dollar after the service. There, it's done. You missed it. Nobody gets a dollar. Let me share with you a story that I think illustrates this real well. How many of you, I know a couple of you, how many of you have heard of Greyfriars Bobby? Greyfriars Bobby, right? A Bobby is the English word for a police officer or a keeper or a watchman. Greyfriars Bobby is a statue right now, but it's a statue that represents a little Sky Terrier in Scotland. And this little Sky Terrier, he was owned by an individual, and this individual dies. And for 14 years, this terrier went day to day, day in, day out, night, and laid at the grave of his master. It was so moving that they made a statue, a fountain. And there are movies and books about this. And you've probably heard about this. And there are legends and, and how much of it's true and all that. I don't really care, but it's a great illustration. Here's what it illustrates for me. It illustrates for me that this is what the Christian life should be like. We constantly seek and desire to be with our Master, even though He's not here. And yeah, He's going to return Our faith and our hope is in the fact that He will come again and and be victorious. But in this life, I don't stop seeking after Him. What would it be like if all of us went to the graveside of our Lord and sought after Him? Well, let me tell you. I'm going to give you three W's here. I don't know if I got them in here. Nope, I don't have them. Three W's. It would be worship. We would show up for worship. We would worship day in and day out. We would sing His praise. We would, we would glorify Him for what He has done and is doing. That He's given us faith and work, working faith in us until He comes. Even in our persecution, even in our suffering, we would worship Him. And when we neglect worship, we neglect coming to the feet of the Savior and learning from Him. It, it's, secondly, it's weekly growth. It's discipleship. It's growing as a a believer in Christ. It's sitting at the Master's feet. How does that play out in our daily life? It's prayer. It's reading of Scripture. You know, one of the things that I think has gone by the wayside in in many churches is the Bible study and the reading uh, reading of Scripture in our daily life. How many of us are reading as if we're sitting at Jesus' feet saying, teach me? Are we just going through the motions? Oh, it's 8 o'clock. It's that time. Let me, where, where am I? Second Timothy. Ah, I forgot. What did I read yesterday? Oh, yeah, okay. Close enough. Are we like that little terrier sitting at the grave saying, I desire my master. I desire his teaching. I desire to be his disciple. And then lastly, it's a witness. Worship, weekly growth, and a witness. 
It's to be exhibited. It's serving those around us. It's serving the church. It's serving the community. It's not sitting around waiting for somebody else to do it. It's not sitting back waiting for the America to right itself. Lord, we pray that you will do something. And it's almost as if God is saying, I'm trying, but you're just sitting there. Waiting for America to fall apart because we as Christians don't want to say something? We don't want to put our life on the line? We don't want somebody to write a negative review about our sermon or church? I don't know what it is. But we are to be witnesses to those around us. Of what? My goodness? No. About the faithfulness of God in my life. About the faithfulness in my own life because it's motivated by the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Because I love my Master. Because I serve my Master. Because I draw close to Him. And I wait for His return. And in that, I am faithful. And there are a ton of other practical ways that you can think through how your faithfulness Faithfulness is exhibited to not only man so that they may see Christ, but to our Master and our Lord, Christ Himself. May we be a people of faith. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank You, O Lord, for Your Word. We thank You first and foremost that You were faithful. We ask, O Lord, that you would take these words, that you would pierce our heart, that you would renew our mind, that you would encourage us and strengthen us, that we may be full of faith. The faith of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, given to us through the Holy Spirit. May we think of his crucifixion and his sacrifice for us, his faith, his faithfulness, May we be condemned for our sin, O Lord. Turn in repentance and ask and seek your forgiveness. To a Lord who stands ready to forgive, be with us, O Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. And amen. Dismissed. And now the Lord who has loved you with an everlasting love, May He support you all your days with the everlasting arms until the day when the Lord binds up the brokenness of His people and heals the wounds inflicted by His blow. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen and Amen. Thank you for listening today. If you would like to support the ministry of Thompson Presbyterian Church and the spread of God's Word, we would ask that you consider two things. First, consider praying with us. Pray that God would use His Word to impact the lives of His people and to draw the lost to Himself. As He says in Isaiah 55:11. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth, it shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Secondly, we would ask that you consider giving financially. You can support this and other ministries by giving through our website, thompsonpresbyterian.org. Just go to the giving page and follow the instructions. You can also give through the Faith Life app on your smartphones. Simply go download the Faith Life app and sign up. Another way to give is to simply text GIVE and the amount to 706 250 
706-250-6834. Again, that is 706-250-6834. Lastly, you can simply mail in your your support to Thompson Presbyterian Church, P.O. Box 398, Thompson, Georgia, 30824. I would like to invite you to come and join us for worship on Sunday at 11 a.m. We are located at 607 Jackson Street in Thompson, Georgia. Feel free to check out our website at thompsonpresbyterian.org for all ministries and event details. You can also call us at 706-309-0213 or email us at churchoffice at thompsonpresbyterian.org. Thank you for listening today. Now receive God's blessing. And now the Lord who has loved you with an everlasting love, may he support you all your days with the everlasting arms until the day when the Lord binds up the brokenness of his people and heals the wounds inflicted by his blow. Amen.